welcome to Nutrition Bites, the no-nonsense podcast where you get the truth about food so you can eat what you want and be healthy. I'm your host, Maggie, and welcome to episode five of this weekly series. Today's topic was directly requested via my Instagram, so please make sure to give me a follow at Nutrition Bites Podcast so you can share your suggestions with me. All right, let's get into the episode. On the menu today, intermittent fasting. Before I dive into this topic, I do want to warn listeners that I'll be talking a lot about calories and weight loss. So if you have a history of disordered eating, this may not be the best episode for you to tune into. Pre-pandemic, the most popular diet in America was the ketogenic diet. This is the ultra-low-carb, very high-fat eating regime that is heavily marketed as a weight loss strategy. The pandemic year was crazy, though, and just like with Tiger King, this diet stronghold has since been dethroned by a newer, hotter trend, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, or IF, is an eating pattern that focuses on restricting the time when you eat food, not restricting the type of food that you eat. IF claims to be more of a lifestyle rather than a diet, but it is predominantly associated with weight loss. Online social posts claim that IF may improve heart health and diabetes risk, as well as boost concentration and focus. Even more clickbait phrases are associated with this diet, including preventing cancer and Alzheimer's and acting as an anti-aging antidote. These last few associations are big red flags, but the popularity of this diet persists, particularly among the celebrity community, with alum like Jennifer Aniston who are devout followers. Now the reason Jen looks so incredible could be the stress relief from passively earning $20 million every year from Friends reruns, or maybe it's from IF. I have my money on the big fat syndication check. Regardless, this is a trend that you're sure to hear more about, so let's take this time to dive into the science and sort out fact from fiction. IF can be summarized as a structured way of eating where you routinely go long hours with no or little energy intake. This can look like fasting every day for 14 consecutive hours or fasting two days out of the week every week. This may sound a little scary, but remember that fasting is a very natural part of animal life. In fact, every time we sleep, our bodies are in a fasting state. Fasting also plays a role in many cultures and religions. So while the act is not new, the IF diet is a new application of this technique. Eating food and consuming calories has two main purposes. Provide enough energy to sustain our body in its current state and make sure we have excess energy for a rainy day. That excess energy is either stored as glycogen in the liver or as fat in our adipose tissue. Glycogen is the stored form of glucose, and it's the energy reserve of choice for our body. If our blood sugar is low, the liver starts breaking down glycogen and releasing glucose into the blood to ensure we have a steady supply of energy to feed all of our cells. Fat is broken down for energy only after glycogen has been depleted. That's because it takes longer for fat to be converted into an energetic molecule, and the body is all about efficiency. This energy preference of glycogen over fat is where the method behind intermittent fasting comes into play. All of the supposed health benefits from an IF diet are associated with using body fat as your primary energy source. Glycogen is able to sustain energy needs for 12 hours after your last meal. Any extended fast after that, and your body will switch to using fat as fuel. This so-called metabolic shift of using fat as energy is directly correlated with the loss of fat tissue. However, its effects on other aspects of your health are not well known. 
The number one thing complicating better understanding these effects is the fact that there is no one definition of an IF diet. There are many subtypes or varieties of IF, and they can be categorized as either time-restricted eating or whole-day fasting. Both categories follow the same general rules, which is to severely restrict caloric intake during fasting time and allow followers to eat whatever they want when not in fast. The point of time-restricted eating, or TRE, is to reduce the window of time that you're allowed to eat every day. Outside of that window, only water or zero-calorie beverages like black coffee should be consumed. The most popular version of TRE is the 16-8. This is where you fast for 16 consecutive hours and restrict your eating to an 8-hour window. Keep in mind that the 16 hours of fast includes sleeping time, so in this regime it could look like skipping breakfast and only eating from 11am to 7pm. The 14-10, which is 14 hours of fasting and a 10-hour window of eating, is another popular and slightly easier version. The 20-4 subtype is the most extreme version leaving you only a four-hour window to eat. This is what the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, follows, proclaiming his only meal every day is dinner. Maybe this works for a multi-billion dollar tech executive, but I personally don't have enough power, clout, or money to be hangry for the majority of my workday. Whole day fasting is a second broad category of IF. Under this regime, participants go for an entire day with limited or no food intake. Under this regime, participants alternate days with normal consumption and days with limited or no food intake. Unlike with TRE, some people choose to consume a little bit of food on their fasting days, usually around 25% of their normal caloric intake. For many women, that 25% equates to around 500 calories, and for men, closer to 700. This is a very small amount of food. A handful of strawberries, two eggs, and a slice of toast, and that right there hits your 500 cal quota. That said, it's supposed to be a fast. By far the most popular version of this type of IF is called the 5-2. Yeah, another ratio. I don't know who's in charge here. During the 5-2 regime, you eat normally for five days of the week, and then you fast for two non-consecutive days, so like Monday and Thursday. Two back-to-back fasting days is seen as dangerous and really difficult, so it's important to space them out. Having so many variations of IF is helpful for people curious with this eating style, and its customizability is one reason why some people see this as more of a lifestyle than a restrictive diet. But it's this same variety that makes assessing the general health outcomes of an IF diet very difficult. Although not marketed as a diet in the true sense of the word, IF is often promoted as a way to lose weight or maintain weight loss. Studies on overweight and obese people have shown that those who commit to an IF diet do in fact lose weight. However, it's no more effective at weight loss than a traditional low-calorie daily diet. This makes sense because the reason behind any weight loss seen in IF is simple. It's restricting total calorie intake over time. However, some researchers think if the fasting period in the IF subtype is long enough, it may end up being a better weight loss technique than a traditional low-calorie diet. This is because the longer a fast is extended beyond that 12-hour mark where glycogen is used as the main fuel source, the more time the body is forced to use fat as fuel. So those on a 20-4 to fast may experience more weight loss than someone on a 16-8, but they may also stop the diet sooner as it's a really hard regime to sustain over time. Speaking of sustainability, very little is known about the long-term maintenance of weight lost on IF or what happens when you stop the diet altogether, or how long people even maintain this diet, 
especially if their primary goal is only to lose weight. IF is also associated with improving heart health, and the little research that's been done has shown either a positive or neutral effect on indicators of a healthy heart, like blood pressure and cholesterol. We can't confidently say that IF improves heart health, but at the same time, nothing points to this being very harmful either. It's kind of like the city of Brussels. Pretty neutral, with potential for positivity, but not yet worthy of booking a vacation until you learn more. For the remaining effects of IF on the body, like improved concentration and focus, anti-aging properties, and cancer and Alzheimer's prevention, there's practically no scientific truth. Some research in cells and animals has been done, but these results are used to form theories, not to confirm effects. If we believed every cell study conducted, we would have cured cancer and solved hangovers like 20 years ago. For now, IF seems to be an okay strategy to lose weight, and that's about all we can say. Whether or not you want to lose weight, or are just curious about the qualitative effects of IF, like feeling a bit more focused or feeling a little bit better, it's worthwhile to dig into some general pros and cons before deciding to recommend or adopt this new way of eating. One of the biggest benefits of IF is that it does not restrict what you eat. You do not have to omit food groups or your favorite dishes, and that can be hugely impactful in helping someone stick to this change, and it also reinforces the idea that macronutrients in foods shouldn't be labeled as bad or good. Certain variations of IF, like time-restricted eating, are pretty easy to follow too. You just need to consider the time of the day. And it's this simplicity that's so great for people who don't want to bother tracking calories or applying Sherlock-level investigative techniques on food packages. IF can also help people practice mindful eating habits. Instead of mindlessly snacking whenever you feel slightly hungry, IF may force you to be more introspective about your actual food needs. The most obvious con to an IF diet is, well, the fact that it can be really tough to stick with. Those on IF diets tend to have high dropout rates, because fasting more than 12 hours at a time is not really realistic for a lot of people. Work, family, exercise, and social commitments can all make adherence to this lifestyle change really hard. During a fast, some people may experience extreme fatigue, poor concentration, headaches, dizziness, worsening PMS symptoms, and poor mood. Not only may your fasting periods make you feel pretty crappy, but there's also the risk of overeating during non-fasting times, and doing so would essentially eliminate any expected health benefit of following this diet. Last, but certainly not least, the long-term effects of an IF diet are not well known. We don't know if this is something that people can commit to for the long term, and some scientists are worried that healthy individuals who undergo fasting diets could actually increase their risk of diabetes. So although it's branded as a familiar natural process, sustained periods of long fasting can be considered biologically extreme, and we can't guarantee that our body will react positively to this. In addition to the pros and cons, it's also important to consider some key questions to determine if IF is an appropriate lifestyle change for you. Right off the bat, if you have a history of disordered eating, are pregnant, breastfeeding, underweight, under the age of 18, elderly, have stomach ulcers, suffer from a chronic disease, or are diabetic, do not experiment with intermittent fasting. For a diabetic especially, fasting can lead to hypoglycemia, which is really low blood sugar, and that can actually result in death. So seriously, don't. If you don't fall into any of those categories, here's your next question to consider. What is your end goal? Why do you even want to do this? If your answer is vanity-driven, I really caution against this or any diet. 
However, if you've been recommended to lose weight by your healthcare provider and have struggled with other strategies, this could be a new method to try, with their oversight, of course. If you don't want to lose weight but are curious about the supposed qualitative effects, then your body, your choice. Just remember to stay incredibly hydrated and ensure that your eating time is filled with nutritionally dense foods like fruits, vegetables, lean protein, whole grains, nuts, and seeds. If you treat your eating time like a free-for-all, you're not going to feel any better. IF also has a huge impact on lifestyle. Eating, after all, is a regular social activity. So you have to really think, can I fit this into my day-to-day life? If you live in a household where family meals and shared snacks are common, this could be a really difficult transition. And if you are intent on hitting up every COVID-safe patio with your friends this summer like I am, you could also run into social pressure and temptation to break a fast. Also keep in mind your physical activity commitments, as periods of fast will negatively impact your ability to exercise. If playing soccer, or football for my Euro friends, is your pride and joy, you'll need to consider if an IF diet will allow you to keep on playing. And the most important question of all, how long are you willing to do this for? If you don't see this as a long-term investment, it's not worth the hassle and potential bodily harm. I know that may have seemed like a therapeutic interrogation, but asking yourself those key questions, is this healthy for me to do? What is my objective? Does this fit into my lifestyle? Can I commit to this? Are all incredibly important anytime you want to make a major lifestyle change. If IF is a new eating pattern you want to try, then all the power to you. Just be thoughtful and safe in your approach. You get one body, so make sure you treat it right. That's been the bite for today. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Bites. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and share with a friend. If you want to get in touch with me, please follow me on Instagram at Nutrition Bites Podcast. Have a great week.